the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, the day after the day after the midterms, and it's a great time to catch up with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio. Follow Matt on Twitter at Ohio Matt, and his site is OpportunityOhio.org. He has a very interesting piece on his substack, The Patriot Mind, analyzing the midterm elections. And so, Matt, let's get right to it, and we'll start with your prediction last week. And I'm not doing a gotcha here, but I did have somebody reach out to me yesterday on social media saying that you predicted, what, I think 53 in the Senate, and we fell short of that. Uh, the most they can get now is 52, and that would be, uh, you know, that'd be Nirvana as we still await Nevada, as we still await Arizona. We're just hoping for 51 in a Georgia runoff. So, uh, long view. What happened with the uh, lack of the Republican wave that we were expecting, maybe even the tsunami we were hoping for? Instead, we got barely a trickle. Yeah. So, look, I, I, I think there are some clear lessons learned, right? Number one, the polling just on specific races just isn't there anymore. Like, it, it, it led everyone to believe, you know, because even if you use the real clear politics average polling, which is, you know, con- con- putting everything together, it had a wave happening, right? And, and so that was clearly wrong, which is what misled some of us to believe that there was this wave happening. And so that's where I got to the 53. When you unpack it, right, let's let's look at Pennsylvania, right, where we, we lost Pennsylvania about a, you know, 180,000 votes. Here's the reality, Bruce. By the time they had the first debate in Pennsylvania and saw for the first time how bad John Fetterman's condition is, mm-hmm. 700,000 votes had already been cast in that state, which, if as we expect, those were heavily Democrat versus Republican early votes. His 180,000 vote margin is covered by that reality, right? So what we don't know is, you know, what would have happened had they debated earlier. And, and I think the lesson there is, you know, Democrats were rewarded by hiding their candidates. Same thing's happening in Arizona with Katie Hobbs. Um, and Republicans have got to figure out how to do early voting far better. We can't expect to kind of win on Election Day, and that overcomes whatever advantage happens before that. The, the, the reality is, based on state state laws, early voting is going to be there. We better get better at it and start harvesting all, all the votes we can uh, from day day one of, of voting, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, two, I think there is some Trump blame. I think there's too much Trump blame being put on Trump right now about his candidates that didn't do well. Um, but but there is some truth, right? His gubernatorial and, and Senate-endorsed hand picks have not fared very well, other than in North Carolina with Bud and Ohio with Vance. But in other places, you know, they didn't, we're not getting the results we had hoped for. And so, you know, is that Trump's fault? No, right? There, that gets into the weakness on early voting. That gets into, you know, those some of the things those candidates particularly did. And, you know, one of the things I've been analyzing, right, is you know, we talk about the battleground states of Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Wisconsin. And so, you know, if you look at those, the reality is since 2016, top of the ticket races, governor, uh, Senate, or president, 
Democrats have won 26 out of 33 of those races. So are those really battleground states? They, they are, but we're not doing really good in those states from a election to election winning the big top of the ticket races. And if, if that doesn't change, it's going to be awful hard to win the White House in 2024 and, and control the Senate. And Michigan, I would argue, is not really a battleground state. It's frankly getting closer to Ohio as a it's a blue state that Ohio is red. We haven't won a statewide race in Michigan since Trump won in 2016. The legislature flipped to full Democrat control uh, uh, two days ago, and it elected Governor Whitmer by 10 points. It wasn't even close. So I would argue that out-migration, Republican voters have left that state, and I'm not sure Michigan's a true battleground anymore. So that really creates a playing field that's about five states, and, and, and we're not doing well in that those states, so we've got to figure out how to do better in early voting, keep attracting Hispanics and black voters, and do a far better job of, of making sure the, the Republican voters get out and vote uh, to the degree the Democrats are doing. Well, I think, and we're talking with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org, I think you're right that the Republicans have to embrace early voting. Look, I mean, um, there are rules in every sport that you may not like, but if you don't uh, obey the rules, you give yourself uh, no chance to win. I had a friend, a successful person today, has a child who lives out west, liberal, the person that I know is very conservative, Sunday, someone came to her house looking for their daughter to make sure she voted Democrat. I mean, that is how detailed the Democratic ground game is on early voting. And Republicans just choose to disengage from it. It cost us a Senate seat, as you said, with early voting in Pennsylvania. Who knows if it cost us one in Arizona? It may cost us one somewhere else. So I think Republicans are going to have to figure out how to play that game and be willing to play that game because the other side's playing that game and they're cleaning our clock with it. Yeah, look, I don't like the shift in baseball, but if you're going to not use it, you're going to lose games, right? Correct. That's the reality. And and so, you know, if we look at Ohio, and I mean, one of the things I want to do is talk about the DeSantis' 19-point win in Florida to DeWine's 26-point or 25-point win here and why DeWine's win just isn't as impressive as is, is DeSantis. And there are three reasons, right? Mike DeWine went up against Nan Whaley. Nan's never won statewide. Mike DeWine has run seven times statewide. So nobody knew who she was, and she only had $7 million to throw at it compared to his 20-plus million. So he was he grossly outspent her, and his name ID was off the charts compared to her. In Florida, Charlie Chris has been on the statewide ballot five times. He had $20 million-plus to throw at the, at the match. And so when DeSantis takes him out the way he did, that's just more impressive on just the candidate-to-candidate matchup, right? When you add in the fact that there were no coattails for Mike DeWine in Ohio, we lost Steve Chabot's house seat. We lost the seat up a up that we should have won um, by uh, the north northeast Ohio. While in Florida, the coattails from DeSantis, he won three or four more house seats, helped Rubio get across the line at a great. They won Miami-Dade County, which is huge. So again, that in itself is an impressive thing. And at the end of the day, DeSantis won despite keeping Florida open. Right, doing every can thing for businesses and kids to keep them going. Whereas here, Mike DeWine's bigger win was really due to about 400,000 Democrats voting for him because they liked that he and Houston severely shut down Ohio during the pandemic uh, and did all the you know, Amy Act and pandemic stuff. So he was rewarded by Democrats, and that's the only reason why his margin is a bit bigger than Dave Yost or Frank LaRose or uh, Sprague yeah. and, and all those folks. So it's really a, a, a Democrat validation to, to Mike DeWine. 
and not some type of like, you know, oh, this is a signal for the future in terms of a red wave. It was a red wave in Florida in every way. Here, it was just, a, you know, more, more red state. They won. And DeWine's a bigger margin just, frankly, came from Democrats. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, is our guest. Follow him at Ohio Matt and read his substack, The Patriot Mind, with his in-depth election analysis of the midterms. All right, so let's get to the Trump thing. Uh, you know I've been fully in on Trump. I can I credit him for being a transformational president, great policy. I never loved his manner because I thought it needlessly alienated people. But his shot at J.D. Vance in the one rally where he said that J.D. was kissing his butt gave Tim Ryan ammunition and won who knows how many votes to Tim Ryan. And now Trump has decided that he's going to take on Ron DeSantis and disparage Ron DeSantis and try to diminish Ron DeSantis. And I am out of patience with this nonsense. And I believe that Joe Biden has a political relevance solely because Donald Trump made him relevant. He lost uh, to him in 2020. He actually, Donald Trump now has lost three straight elections. 2018, 2020, and 2022. And I see no way, no way that the Republicans can win the presidency if he is the candidate. And I'm just, you know, he was great while he was in there, but I do not think he has anything to lend to this party that is good going forward because of his enormous ego. And I would agree with you as a candidate. I think we can't throw out the Trump policies. With Agreed. Agreed. Because the policies are what a majority of Americans like and support, right? Border security, low taxes, less governments, you know, not getting involved in, you know, foreign wars that we don't need to be involved in. You know, all those great things, you know, good, good, good constitutionalism by the Supreme Court. So those are all really good things, right? So, so, but, but, but look, you know, ironically, despite, you know, the never Trumpers like Liz Cheney, the Democrats in the media trying to take out Trump. The thing that may have taken out Trump at the end of the day is, frankly, the results of the ballot box in 2018, 2020, and 2022. And if if he can not thrash about or try to, you know, get his kind of flesh out of people and just become the elder statesman that the party now needs, then allow the Ron DeSantis's, the Tim Scott, the Christy Gnomes to kind of really kind of go for that 2024 nomination. I agree with you, especially after what I just talked about previously about those battleground states where we're 26 out of 33 races losing we we you know and trump lost i think he's six of eight or no he's he's eight of ten he lost you know seven of ten he lost seven of ten of those states in his two runs we can't win the white house without winning those states so i i think you're right i and i hope he does the right thing which is step back but it doesn't look like he's going to but the clear message is is we're not going to win in 2024 behind Donald Trump's candidacy. We're going to win with the Ron DeSantis, especially now that Biden seems to be reinvigorated and is doubling down on his policies and saying, yeah, I'm running 2024. I'd love nothing more than a great contrast election of an 81-year-old losing his faculties against a you know 50-year-old Ron DeSantis who's crushing it in, in, in uh, Florida. Yeah, we are agreed on that. Trump's policies were great. He has the legacy of overturning Roe versus Wade. If he takes his victory lap and goes away, he can have history be kind to him, or he can take himself down with his own self-absorption. We will see where it goes. We'll get the announcement next week, and Matt and I will reflect on it when we chat next Thursday. Always great to have you on, Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. Have a great weekend, Matt. Thanks, Bruce. So regarding that circumstance I was relating to Matt 
about my friend who lives in um, one of the suburbs in and around downtown Columbus um, receives in the mail a mail-in ballot uh, for their child who lives out of state. This is the same circumstance you heard the other day on The View, if you caught the audio clip on social media, because I'm sure none of you watch The View, because I sure don't. Sonny Hostin, one of the hosts, who should be named Gloomy Hostin, she looks like she hasn't smiled in several years. Uh, she was saying that she had a hard time turning in her son's mail-in ballot, that it was made very, very difficult at election headquarters to turn in her son's mail-in ballot. Uh, there's nothing like admitting voter fraud on national TV. Will anybody come after Sonny Hostin? Of course not. You are not allowed to turn in another person's ballot because if you turn in somebody else's ballot, it seems like you could also have voted in their place. So my friend who has unimpeachable integrity and is extremely successful in business said, you know, I could have taken my child's ballot and marked it up the way I wanted it marked up and mailed it in. That's not the end of the story. Their child does not share their political views, so that would have been a tempting thing for someone who doesn't have integrity or character. But instead, my friend just let the ballot sit until there was a knock at the door on Sunday from a Democratic operative looking for my friend's child, wanting to make sure that they're going to vote and wanted to make sure that, you know, if you want me to pick up your ballot, I can. That's ballot harvesting. And as I said to Matt, I hate it. I think it's very, very, very conducive to fraud. But it is the system under which we operate right now. And for Republicans not to play by those rules, we're giving away we're giving away elections that way. We just are. We are giving away elections that way. So we've either got two, and oh, by the way, we have a supermajority in the Ohio House who could make that unlawful in the state of Ohio if they would. We'll see if they act on it. 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. James, kind enough to hang on. Hello, James. Welcome to the Bruce Willis Show. Oh, hello. Hello. Uh, uh, I adore your outlook and your opinions on everything locally, from judges to school boards, especially the school boards and judges. You're amazing, and I appreciate all the stuff you do on the Air Force. But it does help us with information that we don't normally get. But my <laughs> problem is with uh, your outlook on Trump. Uh, you may have an outlook on him, but. That outlook, I think, is a disservice to our conservative party because he is going to be our next president, and I am going to be voting for him, and DeSantis is going to be our VP. And by you comparing him to causing a fight between is not doing nothing for the party. And I think after the first four years and 2028, DeSantis is going to hold it for the next eight, and that's going to get our country back on track because it's going to take 11 to 12 years to get our country back from the damage that the Democratic Party has put upon us. And James, I, let me let me just say, I would love it if your scenario came true, okay? I would absolutely love that if your scenario came true. But Donald Trump is the one who is disparaging Ron DeSantis right now. 
Donald Trump is the one picking a fight with Ron DeSantis, saying, I know dirt on Ron DeSantis, and if he runs, Ron DeSantis uh, hold didn't... On. Can I answer that? Yeah, you can. Go ahead. Okay. That is a lot of the inside stuff between the Democrat, uh, between the dinner, uh, DeSantis' inner party, as well as the Trump inner party, because uh, they're trying to get to where uh, DeSantis will run above uh, Trump, and I think it's causing a monkey wrench fight in between, and I think the Democratic Party is sitting back and enjoying it because all it's doing is benefiting them yeah. when you get them through the bicker between each other. We right. need both of them together to form this nation, to get this nation back on track, because Trump has to deal with the international shit. And we oh, need to James, 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 we got to dump that. We dump that? There we go. All right, James, we got to keep it clean. Here's the deal. Oh. As I said... <laughs> I would greatly prefer that your scenario come true. I'd be fine with it. It's not my first preferred scenario, but my preferred scenario would be that we stop doing what you just said we're doing, and you are right. We are hurting each other. And it's not Ron DeSantis insulting Trump. DeSantis is not going to play second fiddle to Trump at all. No. He has no reason to play second fiddle to Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, in four years as Florida governor, first and foremost showed that he could lead and he could formulate policy, and he could be effective. Here's the difference between Trump and DeSantis. DeSantis is effective at diminishing the enemy. He took on Disney and won. He took on the nation's media on COVID and won. They were all waiting on the sidelines, rooting for him to be an epic failure in Hurricane Ian recovery. Oh, the bridge is out on Sanibel Island. When that bridge is out every month, we're going to have a party. Problem is he rebuilt it in two weeks. Ron DeSantis gets things done. And Ron DeSantis is not the one who is punching up at Trump. Trump is the one who is punching down at Ron DeSantis because Donald Trump is incapable of letting anyone else have a teeny sliver of the spotlight. Oh, wait, I have 98% of the spotlight. Donald Trump goes, where's the other 2%? Who's got the 2%? Give me my 2%. And if he has 100%, he wants 110%, 120%. Donald Trump made a ridiculous comment the other day about Ron DeSantis' victory in Florida. Ron DeSantis won Florida by 30,000 votes when he ran for governor the first time. He won it by... A million or more votes the last time, the other day. Trump says on Truth Social, now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well, shouldn't it be said that in 2020 I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron DeSantis got this year? 5.7 million to 4.6 million? Just asking. Well, Mr. Trump, breaking news, more people vote in a presidential election than vote in a midterm election. Your margin of victory in Florida was 3.3 points. Ron DeSantis's margin of victory in Florida was 19.4 points. You think that's a better comparable than total votes? I do. But of course, that would require some self-awareness. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.